0: なんだ、意識
1: To Out of the Blue this morning. My name is Heather. I'm Erin. We'd like to welcome you to the show today on this very foggy, gloomy looking Monday.
0: I actually like it. Um, I do like the cold. Ask me again in about three months though when the novelty of it has disappeared.
1: Yeah, so I'm true, like isn't it?
0: They're rugging up and it's, it's nice and toasty.
1: I was down at Werribee the other day and I was with a school group and we're meant to be looking for birds on a tour and. Yeah, we couldn't see anything. I'm sure the birds were there, but.
0: <laughs> I am saying I like this weather from the comfort of a cafe with a nice hot coffee in my hand. So, yes.
1: Yeah, that's quite different from being out yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, today we're going to be talking a little bit about um, some pretty amazing animals out there in our environment. Absolutely. And Earth Matters was just talking a little bit about extinction. And people seem to think that the wild is this beautiful, magical, mythical place where animals live happily and there's unicorns and things. I mean, there are unicorn fish, but...
0: Of course. Maybe the odd odd, uh, centaur as well.
1: And I think one of the things we've noticed this week, and I don't know if you've noticed it, Erin, but it's been a lot of talk about captive animals
0: this week. Absolutely. One in particular.
1: Particularly after this incident with the gorilla in America. Uh, Now, obviously, you work in a captive animal industry. I work in a captive animal industry. So there's been a lot of talk out there from people who may not necessarily work in the industry, but have an opinion, which is fine. Yep. Um, but I feel like there's been a lot of anti-zoo and anti-captivity, which I can understand to an extent, but I think captivity is essential for some species. We would have lost species on this planet without captivity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Even within Victoria, there are zoos that hold animals that simply aren't existing in the wild anymore, and without those zoos, they, they just wouldn't be around. And they are contributing to captive breeding pro- uh, programs, and they are actually being reintroduced into the wild. And- exactly. Zoos are the places that this is happening. Yeah, nowhere they're else.
1: refuges Absolutely. where these animals can survive. I mean, the Tasmanian devil, for example, the, the facial tumour that's gone through their population in Tasmania... Of course. ...would have decimated them all, but there's now captive populations, which are like an insurance policy.
0: Absolutely, and they're actually beginning to reintroduce them to safe parts of Tasmania. Hmm. Without the zoo's intervention, that simply wouldn't exist. Now, zoos... Have a pretty jaded history, and absolutely, I can agree that they've got a long way to go. But they are working towards a sort of a conservation model that really does support a lot of these species that can be endangered or even extinct in the wild.
1: And I guess the the main points that have come out of this situation um, in America is who's to blame. Humans like yes. to blame somebody when something goes wrong. So. Is it the zoo's fault for having an enclosure where there was the potential for a four-year-old to get into – well, not the potential, it happened – for a four-year-old to get in with the gorilla? Is it the parent's fault for not looking after the four-year-old? Is it the keeper's fault for shooting the gorilla? Now, I feel for that keeper. Yes. There is absolutely no way that keeper would have wanted to shoot their animal. No. However, people need to appreciate that tranquilizers may not have kicked in in time. And they could have aggravated the gorilla further and changed his behaviour. So we do say gorillas are the gentle giants, but they weigh hundreds of kilograms. They are capable of doing a massive amount of damage if they're stressed or they feel like they're cornered.
0: And Look, it was a horrible, horrible circumstance and no one wants to be put in that position where they have to shoot an animal, uh, particularly no. some, something like a gorilla, uh, an and endangered gorilla too. But I believe they had to work within a very limited framework with what they had. Yes. And they had to make a horrible decision, which they're probably they're not very happy about, but I believe they did the right thing. Well, they followed procedure. This, they if their did.
1: procedure is to shoot, then you have to follow it. You can't, on the spur of a moment, change your procedure because, oh, no, we're not quite sure. Procedures are in place for a reason.
0: Absolutely. So, And, and there are a lot of calls um, stating that the zoos are actually murderers. Now,
1: I have seen that. It's horrible.
2: I, I don't, I don't think capers. that's
0: justified at all. So where does the, the blame lie? Is it with the mother? Is it with the enclosure? As... You know, bystanders here. We we're not experts. We can only speculate. So exactly. I can't tell you who's to blame, and I don't really want to because I'm simply a bystander without the facts. I believe maybe the enclosure absolutely needs a review. If a small child can climb on in with the gorillas, exactly. But there's also been a lot of outpouring of anger towards the mother. Now, the mother is she expected to watch her son? 24 seven every single day four-year-olds it, Four year olds, it takes a, crazy a time. split second and they can jump a wall and over unfortunately the a very terrible thing happened and a horrible circumstance
1: and the thing is too the more barriers you put up at a zoo the more people go oh look the animals are in cages so zoos have to tread that really fine line between having a very natural looking environment but absolutely. also ensuring the public is safe
0: absolutely there is that Move towards uh, more natural enclosures, and we are removing those horrible bars that were around in the past. But obviously, in some areas, that may create a bit of a safety issue, and that is something that zoos uh, do really consider. And I, I know people actually design zoo enclosures, and that is at the fo- uh, that is the foremost thing that they're considering: it's the safety of the public and the animals. There is a very very uh, big. Uh, contemplation of how people can get in and the animals can get out. Mm.
1: And now I said before, you know, people think the wild is this mythical, magical, amazing place where animals live beautifully. And I don't think that's possible with the human species on the planet, unfortunately. I mean, yes, these gorillas could have been in the wild, but there is still extensive poaching of gorillas for their body parts. I mean, if we've seen what has happened in Thailand this week too with the, the tigers at Tiger Temple. Oh, horrible. And it's not just land animals. I mean, there was an unfortunate death um, in Western Australia this week and the government's instantaneous response is let's go and kill that shark. Now, if the wild was this beautiful place that people like to think it is, we wouldn't be going out and killing that shark, but we think differently because it's a marine animal. And Absolutely. because it's of a shark. Absolutely. If it was a fluffy shark that had beautiful big eyes that we oh, could yes. associate with. Absolutely. You know, if it was a dolphin, if a dolphin drowned somebody. Yep. There'd be uproar if you said, we're going to go out and kill the dolphin. Of
0: course. There is this bias for these cute and fluffy animals. There um, really is. <laughs> I, f- I
1: feel for the ugly animals, like the naked mole rat.
0: <laughs> naked R- mole rat.
1: Very ugly. Very ugly. Basically the only mammal that cannot control it, its temperature. Is it
0: so ugly, though, that it's cute? Is it a bit like a pug dog? <sighs>
1: Hmm. Maybe it's, it's, it's just It's moving so ugly, exactly. along that way. I feel it needs a better marketing team.
0: Okay, okay. Interesting.
1: Now, there's lots of animals out there that do need our protection, and unless you know about them, you're never going to know that they need protection. It's, it's very difficult, and that's where education is so important.
0: Absolutely. Now, within Australia, there is a legal framework to protect and manage flora and fauna. It's called the EPBC Act. Uh, it's the Environment Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act of... 1999. There are 451 species listed within this that are endangered, vulnerable, critically endangered and conservation dependent. And this has a whole range of animals and there are action plans which are really full and really uh, succinct and thorough and there are just listings. However, if you do go on to this list, you'll notice that only 19 of 451 listed species are marine fish species. Cool. Only 19 of 451. Now, is that because our marine fish species are doing a lot better than maybe our terrestrial animals?
1: I would love to I would love that's that. the case. Now, I I am sceptical that that's the I, reason, I am,
0: though. I don't know. I, I'm very sceptical. Some of the, the uh, listings are of animals that... Within the uh, scientific sphere and even people who, who like to uh, dive, you wouldn't know these. The gray nurse shark, the great white shark. Obviously, animals that we, we do really, uh, we absolutely know. But there are a lot of species we don't. Um, the Port Davies scape, scape, the Zeebles handfish. But that's only a small selection of, I believe, probably the, the greater problem. There is a real big drive for ecosystem conservation within Australia, and that's fantastic. We absolutely want to preserve that ecosystem. Let's protect that particular reef or that, that seagrass area because that will help the habitat of a whole range of species.
1: Yeah, so by helping a habitat, you're helping a vast range of animals that use that habitat.
0: Absolutely, but if we don't know, and this is the, this is the, a legal framework, this is the, the, the first point of call, if we don't recognise these species in trouble, then we don't have a trigger. We don't, we're obviously not monitoring these species, um, so how do we know when their fish stocks drop off and potentially we could be still be using these within a commercial sense and uh, overfish this animal without even realising.
1: Well, I think we've seen things like the sardines. Absolutely. Sardines is a great example of a fishery that just collapsed.
0: Absolutely. And it, it may still happen. We've got the bluefin tuna. Now, that's a migratory species. It does um, exist in Australia and it swims all the way up to India and it's fished in at least three different uh, countries. Now, the IUCN lists this as endangered. So it's an endangered commercial fishing stock that is still fished in three different countries. I can feel you like imagine? That's,
1: that's doomed to fail.
0: Absolutely. Like... Now, there are maximum sustainable yields and there's quite quite good science sometimes about how many fish we can take out. But when you're talking about the cooperation of three different countries, taking out a very exact amount... It could be doomed to fail. And you're
1: assuming that the communication is perfect and everybody yes. understands what everybody else is doing.
0: But just imagine this this uh, southern bluefin tuna. Imagine it wasn't a tuna. Imagine it was cute and fluffy. Maybe it had big eyes, fluff all over her, and it looked like it wanted a hug. A lemur.
1: A lemur.
0: Lima. Lemurs look like they need cuddles. Can you imagine an endangered animal such as a lemur being fished or uh, hunted, hunted, culled? It just doesn't happen, except... We don't have this affinity with these fish stocks. Now, I, if you eat fish, that's fantastic. But eat the right fish. Um, And and
1: make sure it's sustainably sourced, obviously. Make sure it's sustainably
0: sourced. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And this is something that's happened at uh, the Melbourne Aquarium recently, actually. They've changed all their uh, seafood that's used for their functions, and they have a lot of functions. Um, All the seafood now is sustainably sourced and MSC certified where possible. So they've done an amazing job in the kitchen there to make sure that we're following the line that everybody thinks should be followed. I mean, it's the way we should be moving.
0: Absolutely. And I re- really hope that that is the direction that most of the restaurants and most companies in Australia are heading towards. Absolutely. It's not that difficult. It takes a little bit of extra work. Make sure that the food that you are serving is sustainably sourced. It's not that difficult.
1: And there's a lot of information out there to help people now. I mean, there's MSC, the Marine Stewardship, Stewardship Council. Um, they have certifications and they will go to fisheries and ensure that not only their catch is sustainable, but their practice on how they're catching it, how they're reporting it, and they do follow-ups every few years to ensure that those companies are still sustainable. Mm. That's just one example of of what you can do because there are some... I mean, Australians love seafood. I don't actually eat seafood, Um, but Australians love seafood, and that's fine. Most of us live along the coast, but we need to be starting to make some smarter choices, and I feel sometimes people get a, a little disheartened when... We might be making smart choices here, but then you look at practices overseas who are still going out and just pillaging the ocean.
0: Absolutely. It can be disheartening.
1: And this is the reason why the wild isn't this amazing place that we think it is. (laughs) While humans are on this planet, there's going to be selfish behavior.
0: It's unfortunate. And hopefully we are moving towards a more sustainable um, food source. But if I bring you back to the listing, the EPBC listing, we've only got 19 out of 451 species. We obviously want to source sustainable fish stock, but how do we know? How can we knowingly only source sustainable fish stock if we simply do not have these listings out there? I do not believe 19 is a, 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 realistic, pro- a realistic, a proper indication of the, the numbers out there of the marine, uh, marine fish that are in real trouble.
1: Well, there's still so much of the ocean we don't know. They say we know more about the surface of the moon than we do about the
0: ocean. So, <laughs> I believe that. I yeah, believe yep. I would
1: believe it too. Yep. There's a lot out there that we don't know.
0: Yeah, that's unfortunate. And if we don't know, then we're going to make some uh, mistakes. So yeah. where does this blame lie, really? I mean, if we're if there aren't, uh, is isn't, there isn't a focus on marine fish species? And look, I've I've found out anecdotally that seventy. 17- of research papers on vertebrate species, 79% are focused on birds and mammals. So birds and mammals, whilst they only comprise about 28% of the total of vertebrate species, whilst fish, they represent about 48%. So funnily enough, the actual blame for this lack of focus within uh, the marine uh, conservation sphere on individual species may lie within the scientific realm. Ooh. If there are any future marine biologists or marine biologists out there, I'm going to put a call out. Absolutely, ecosystem conservation is the way to go. But we do need to start focusing on these individual species so that people can garner a bit of support. and we, abso- so, we so we know what we're doing.
1: Yeah, it's hard to believe that, yeah. I, I guess, too, it's easier to study something that's on the land. Absolutely. I mean, you can put a net up yep. and you can trap things. Absolutely. And you can go, yep. We definitely have five elephants in this park. But it's really hard to go into the ocean and put a net up because, number one, you'll probably kill a lot of things. Yeah. But you can't just put a net up, do a sweep and go, yep, yeah, we've got this many tuna, this many fish, sure. this many. It's
0: And it's there absolutely harder. are some difficulties with it. And I absolutely recognise that. Mm. Uh, and you will find there are a lot more... Uh, papers and, and in the EPBC listing, there is 54 freshwater species because they're in a contained environment.
1: In a river system a that river is si- easier to monitor. Yeah, yeah.
0: So potentially for honours and PhDs, absolutely, these look like great species to focus on because you're going to get results. But I'm not sure what that's where the need is. And if you're an academic listing in and you've got the resources, maybe this is a bit of a heads up of where your next paper should go.
1: Well, it's hard too because it depends where the grants are coming from to fund this research, and sometimes the grants aren't that big, so you're very restricted in what you can do. It's I feel like there's many things that it, we're up against in order to get oh, yeah. these marine fish yep. Yep. studied in a, a much more scientific. Yeah, that's hard. It
2: that's is. That's hard. really
1: hard. I don't know. I don't even know where you start with that.
0: We do bring a lot of doom and gloom to this show of a Sunday morning as you're relaxing with your coffee. <laughs>
1: But it It's is not foggy. all doom and gloom. It's, it's foggy, gloom. it's eerie, it's a beautiful day for okay. it. Well, we might go to a quick song and then we're going to chat about some of the things that are being done to try and help these animals. Right,
2: gentlemen, this panel is now on air. In July 1976, from an old warehouse in High Street Armidale, 3CR Community Radio hit the airwaves heralding 40 years of independent, community-owned and controlled radio. This will be the first station owned and operated by a cooperative of community organisations on a Melbourne-wide basis. This is 3CR. As the status quo of old media is challenged, as publications come and go, in a country with the highest concentration of media ownership in the world, 3CR continues to broadcast radical, insightful radio 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
1: We're not talking about land rights, we're talking about sovereignty. That's why it's important for us to be at the 10 Embassy.
2: From the protests against the Franklin River Dam to the 1998 waterfront dispute, from the east-west tunnel picket to the Aboriginal 10 Embassy, the history of 3CR is dynamic and passionate and ongoing. I was born here, I will die here, I am not moving. So as we celebrate 40 years in 2016, we ask you, our volunteers, listeners and supporters to join in in saying
1: happy birthday, 3CR. All right. Well, welcome back to Out of the Blue this morning. That was Better Than by John Butler Trio, a very environmentally
0: focused group. I'm a good song too.
1: It is a good song. haven't heard that one in a while. Yeah, actually. Yeah, no, neither. So today is World Environment Day. Hooray! woo Hope everyone's out there partying on World Environment Day. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do today about World Environment Day. I'll, I'll go outside at one point. I'll go outside <laughs> in the rain and take my dog for a walk, Okay. Uh, Tell my dog all about World Environment Day. I'm sure She'll love it. Yep. She'll just hear, and then food. Okay, so we've talked a little doom and gloom, and I don't like us to finish on doom and gloom. Because I feel there is a lot of positive out there. It is being done, but sometimes they don't get the praise and recognition that they deserve. And I went to a function at um, Casey Council on Friday evening at their Civic Centre and it was all about World Environment Day and I thought, brilliant, getting all the councillors together and getting the local community groups engaged in the, um, the whole conversation around World Environment Day. And I was particularly impressed by a group of primary school students. And they are part of the I C I Care program, which is run by the Dolphin Research Institute. These kids are out there making a difference. Really, they're engaging their schools and their communities around really important marine conservation issues.
0: So, future marine biologists, what are going to work in Definitely. primary school? Definitely,
1: and they Fantastic. they are loving it, and they're gaining these skills, simple skills like going and talking to an adult about marine conservation and trying to get that adult to care about it because sometimes kids, I think, get a little disheartened and assume that because they're young, nobody really wants to listen to what they have to say. Sure. And these kids were impressive, the stuff they are doing. They are learning activities, and they're mainly grade fives and six, but they're learning activities through workshops, and then they take those activities and go and show the preps. Right. So this is peer teaching peer and the preps, they look up to the grade sixes. They're the big kids in the school. And they're doing this amazing work, engaging the whole community in and they've got I think they're up to about twenty-one schools in the Casey Council now that That's are amazing. doing this program. So
0: these are all future policymakers yeah. learning about in primary school about how or some of the risks out in the marine environment and how to help.
1: They've had over four thousand students go through this program. Wow. I know, and some Amazing. of them are already at uni, and now they've ah. gone through uni, and they're the yeah they're the policy makers and the change makers.
0: Excellent, and that's where you've got to start. You do have to start young. You've got
1: um, to start young.
0: Absolutely, I want to educate uh, the the older generation, but let's start young so that in the future we can see the changes that are really needed. Yeah, fantastic.
1: And people listen to kids. Yep. As much as kids don't think they're being listened to, people do listen to Or they pretend to, them. to
0: listen to kids. I'm very good at that as the, the kids are speaking to me. I'm, I'm looking at yeah, them. My eyes are open exactly. but my, and my mind's elsewhere. <laughs>
1: sometimes, though, they say things that really just capture you because they look Absolutely. at things differently. I had a little girl the other day and I said to her, what happens when a bee uses its stinger? Oh, yeah. And she was in grade one. And she looked at me just straight in the eye and said, when a bee uses its stinger, it dies, and that's why bees really need to learn how to control their anger.
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. And I loved that. That's fantastic. Because
1: that's how kids look at things. Absolutely. And you go, of course. Why? Yeah, definitely a bee needs to learn to control its anger. Of
0: course it does. <laughs>
1: but that's a different viewpoint.
0: You know, I worked as a gardener for about three years, never once stung by the bee. And uh, walked outside one day just in my own home without any shoes on and stung right under the foot. Oh. Yeah, that's not very nice.
1: And you know what? That bee was probably exhausted it and dehydrated. It just needed to control its
0: anger. Well, of course.
1: And it needed to control its anger. <laughs> Poor but thing.
0: It, look, it's not just the little kids that are out there helping... Uh, the environment and individual species, Um, we've got a big kid here. Heather, you've been doing some really great work. I'm a
1: big little kid. A big little kid. I'm not that tall. (laughs) Uh, Yes, we have – I am coordinating at the moment with the Sea Life Trust, which is a non-for-profit marine conservation group. I'm coordinating Ocean Gala 2016. Okay. Now, for anyone who's been listening to Out of the Blue for a while, um, last year we had our inaugural event – where we were raising money for White Tag. And White Tag goes out and tags great white sharks and looks at their migration patterns around Australia. And this has enabled them to work out that there's a nursery at uh, Port Stephens in New South Wales and there's a nursery down at Corner Inlet just on the other side of Wilson's Prom in Victoria. So you
0: had some really great results. Brilliant. And some... We now have further knowledge about the great white shark because exactly. of the oh, Exactly.
1: Which is Excellent. so essential at this time when we're still happy to go out there and kill a great white. Of course. Because it has killed a person. Don't get me wrong, human life is very important, but sometimes I feel we're very quick to jump on the killer shark bandwagon.
0: Absolutely. And great whites are listed as vulnerable within yep. Australian exactly. waters. So the chance of actually meeting some of these guys. Are... Well, this
1: year we've gone one step further. We helped a vulnerable species last year. This year we are helping a population of sharks, that is critically endangered.
0: Excellent.
1: Which? We're helping the grey nurse sharks. So grey nurse sharks are found around Australia. There's a population on the east coast of Australia and the west coast. The east coast population is deemed critically endangered and they believe there's only about 1,500 individuals left. Oof. Now, there are some people who will go out there and say that's 15 individuals too many.
0: Right. There Horrible.
1: are people out there who are very anti-sharks, but of these course. sharks are completely harmless I have scuba dived with them, and they are a pain to try and get a photo of because they are massive scaredy cats.
0: They do look vicious, and I think that, they do. that's part of, part of their problem. Their teeth stick out, they look big and mean, they look like a man-eater. And I believe they actually were hunted in the 40s, 50s, and 60s.
1: Yeah, even into the 70s, that, extensive right. hunting. So
0: that's probably contributed heavily to their, their plight at the moment.
1: Definitely. Now, these sharks only give birth to two pups at a time. They actually have cannibalism within the uterus, Ooh. which is... Pretty cool. For anyone who doesn't know about that, I will try and post a link on our Facebook page. Um, But essentially, sharks have two uteri, I think is the plural for uterus. Um, And the female will have multiple eggs in each. And it's the first pup that hatches will eat um, its brothers and sisters as they hatch, and also any unfertilized eggs that are in there as well.
0: Well, that sounds pretty brutal, but...
1: But they then come out as an adult, well, eventually, you know, as a pup and then an adult that is harmless to people. So they start brutal and then they mellow out.
0: And, look, they've been born with a very full belly and they're probably very healthy because if they've survived in the womb with all the other little babies... um, It's literally
1: survival of the firstborn, (laughs) not survival of the fittest. (laughs) Um, so the Ocean Gala is being held at Sea Life Melbourne Aquarium in the amazing Coral Atoll uh, Function Space, which has beautiful clownfish and dories, which is very popular. Finding oh, yeah, Dory comes out on the 16th. The um, so Ocean Gala will be held on Saturday the 18th of June. Uh, tickets are available via uh, the Sea Life Trust ANZ Facebook page, ANZ being Australia New Zealand. We're not associated with the bank. Um, Or on Eventbrite, if you just search for Ocean Gala 2016, we're going to have some amazing items for our live auction and our silent auction. Um, If you want the opportunity to name a penguin chick, um, this is something you can bid on. You can name the chick whatever you want within reason.
0: I think I'll be naming the chick Erin. Erin. Why not?
1: Yes, we could do that. I don't think there is a chickpea <laughs> I chick could be biased. <laughs> no. um, there's also the opportunity to get some incredible artwork. So for anyone who is an avid art collector and you need something unique on your walls at home, we have a piece of artwork. It's so unique. It was done by an orangutan.
0: Oh, fantastic. Yeah, her name is
1: Maymuna, on. and we have photos of her painting it. She's a pretty amazing animal. So unfortunately that brings us to the end of our show for this week anything we've talked about today we will be posting on our facebook page so make sure you jump on there to get any more information otherwise coming up next is sally with out of the pan so enjoy your day and get out there on world environment day
0: thanks for listening see you later